Well, friends, for more than a year, I've been working on this, uh, this idea about stability as a way of affecting change. Um, we just moved to this theater about a year and a half ago. Felt like our community was positioned to make a bigger and deeper and more significant impact in this city. And I was reading at the same time I was reading about the story of lives of individuals who'd made lasting impact on other individuals. I was also reading about organizations that really change lives and impact culture. And one of the common dynamics that I kept coming across was this dynamic of longevity, being in the same place for a long time, uh, being in the same position for a long tenure, uh, engaging in the same problems like tenaciously over the long haul. In other words, most of the time that we talk about effective change, we talk about innovation. Innovation gets a lot of attention, like new technology. And of course, there are examples where that is the case. But most of the time, it's consistency and commitment that actually move the ball forward. Right? The trick, you know, the freak, amazing play makes the highlight real, but doesn't often win the game. It's the team that grinds, like, for four whole quarters, just keeps pushing. That's usually the team that comes out with, with the victory. The church in America is often caught somewhat unsuccessfully trying to keep up with cultural trends and the rapid movement of change in our, in our culture. But historically, some of the church's greatest contributions to humanity have, been when the, have come when the church has remained committed to be in a faithful presence of truth and love in the midst of a rapidly changing cultural scenario. Uh, and the old word for this grounded, consistent, faithful reliability, and you find this word especially in spiritual contexts, is the word stability. There's great wisdom in stability, and it is often overlooked in a culture that is so obsessed with the latest version of the newest technology. So I wanted to dig into this treasure chest of stability, and I put together this plan of study in order to research stability as a method of affecting change. And when I started to share my plan with people, folks would kind of cock their heads and raise their eyebrows and look at me with a little bit of confusion. So you're going to a monastery in Italy, yes, to learn how to engage the rapidly changing culture in America. Exactly. That's the plan, right? And, and I get it. It strikes most people as odd to consider monks as agents of cultural change. Uh, I get it. it realize, I realize that it might sound strange to talk about stability as a course of action. And I think, friends, that's probably due to the almost complete divorce that has happened in our cultural conscience between being and doing. They never go to the dance together anymore in our culture. It's one or the other. We've separated the two. Most in American culture recognize the value of continual action. But we have little understanding of, we have very little interest in, and I'm sorry, but I just don't have time for contemplation, careful consideration, any kind of effort toward movement toward uh, permanence, consistency, things like stability. So a concept like stability can be easily confused with a concept like stagnation, just sitting there and not doing anything. It's almost like a, a synonym for irrelevance. 
certainly not a course of action. In a culture that prizes the dramatic, stability sounds way too ordinary. Um, to those on the hunt for excitement, stability sounds suffocating. In a culture that posts pictures of mountaintop adventures, you know, who wants to talk about your daily chores and the value of sticking to them? In fact, to remain in the same place, to remain in the same job, to remain in the same house, to remain in the same church, even in some cases to remain in the same relationship for too long is seen by some negatively as settling. You're just settling. Recently, I connected with an old college friend, and he said, I would not have seen this coming when I explained to him that I'd been pastoring the same small town church for 14 years, and I hope to continue for several more. He said, of all of us, I thought that you would be the one with some sort of, like, big national kind of leadership thing. And he meant it as a compliment, but I had this surge of self-consciousness when he said it, like this surge of, like, doubt. Like, had, had, I, had I limited what I was supposed to do? Had I, even worse, had I limited what God wanted to do through me? Had I somehow, like, shot too low? Like, what, what was the, had I restricted the movement of God uh, through my, my life? When it comes to stability, that's the real question. Maybe that's the ultimate question. How does stability affect real change? Is there value in stability? Will this move anything forward? I'd like you to think about one or two cultural issues that you wish would change. And write them down or identify them in your mind. One or two cultural issues, in your opinion, are in the biggest need. They're in the most need of change. These issues could be related to race or economics or politics or education. If you could see real change in one area, what would it be? You got something? Now... Now think, how could stability affect change in this area? How could stability be a way forward in working for change? Hopefully asking that question of a real-life issue helps you take stability out of the incorrect category that we often drop it into, which is the category of stagnation or doing nothing. And hopefully it helps you helps bring the, this value of stability more, more into um, a category of action, of intentionality. Because that's what it is. It's not stagnation. And yet in our culture, and to many of us, stability sounds like a strange course of action. That's your plan? For those committed to restoring all things, to say that we're going to remain stable, we're going to value this, it sounds like an unexpected method of affecting change or of moving things. Here is something that might be, I think, uh, helpful in understanding the wisdom of stability in this regard. In the Bible, there are two, one way of looking at it, there's two kind of dominant energies or pulls or calls is often the word that's used. One call is the call to stay. To remain, to abide, to persevere, to endure, to stand. This is the call to stability. And this call is rooted in the being of God. The faithfulness of God, which we just sang about. The reliability of God. The unchanging character of God. The second energy or pull or call that shows up all throughout the Bible is the call to go. 
the call to leave, the call to journey, to pilgrimage, to change, to be transformed, to venture out, to cross borders, to incarnate the gospel into this culture. This is the call to go. The first is the call to stay. The second is the call to go. The call to go is rooted in the work of God. The creative and restorative work of God. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. The engaging brokenness. The having meals with sinners. The kicking in the gates of hell. Work of God. We typically focus on the second call. The call to action. The journey or the joining in the work of God. And of course this is biblical and this is important and it's very needed. It's desperately needed. We need to engage in and join in the work of God more and more and consistently. This series, however, on the wisdom of stability has been an effort to listen to that first call, that quieter call. It's been an effort to consider the foundation, an effort to consider the roots, the base note, the place of origin from which the building rises, from which the the fruit blooms and the music soars and all the action comes, which is the place of stability. It's the place where the roots happen. Friends, the Bible does not pit one call against the other. It's not either or. It's both and. And we've been leaning into this call to stability for several weeks. And as we've been talking about it, this is the eighth week, most of the feedback that I've been receiving, which I always appreciate, really could be summarized with this question. But doesn't God call us to go? And the answer is, of course he does. Absolutely. He absolutely calls calls us to go. The call to go is all over the Bible, from Abraham to the Great Commission. You can't read the Bible and not feel some sense of uh, obligation or movement or compulsion to go. But I've decided to invite our community to consider for a, a couple of months the call to stability, just for a season, for two reasons. One, Most of the time we talk about going and doing. Most of the time, those are what the sermons are about. The the restoration of God. um, Joining the ministry of Jesus. Most of the time we talk about going and doing. And the second reason I've wanted to focus on this for a couple months is that what I'm learning is that in order for our movement to matter, all this going and doing to make any kind of real impact in the world, it's got to be different from the busy, shallow, crowded movement that is happening all around us, and it's not accomplishing a darn thing. Our movement's got to be rooted. It must come from a place of stability because it needs to be movement that heals, not hurts. And that'll be the fruit. That'll be the indication about whether or not this movement had any roots. Did it heal anything? Or did it actually just contribute to the chaos of our culture and just kind of push hurt forward. <laughs> I think you'd agree with me. The world doesn't need more talkers, right? right. The, the, world, the world needs people who have something good and true to say. And similarly, the world doesn't need more busybodies. The, the world needs people who know what to do and know how to do it. Yes, we need to go. The final message of Jesus is very clear. It's go. But like his disciples, our going must be rooted in our being with Jesus 
for a while before we go. So one teaching of Jesus that makes this relationship between staying and going really clear is in John 15. It's towards the end of Jesus' life. It's on page 752 in the Bibles that we distributed. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's using like a metaphor. He sort of says, okay, it's like this. And this is how it begins, John 15, verse 1. I am, this is Jesus talking, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Okay, we're clearly not taking this literally. This is figuratively, but Jesus is trying to teach us something. Jesus is not a plant, but he's going to compare himself to one, right? I am the true vine, Jesus says. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, you can also translate that, he cleans, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, in case you're foggy, he hits it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. Okay. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, if you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Four quick questions. One, what is the goal? Go ahead and tell me if you, if you know. What is the goal? What is the desired end result that Jesus is going for here? What does he want produced? Much fruit, right? Clearly. This is the will of my Father that you bear much fruit. What is the threat? What is the potential concern? What is the bad thing that might happen? What is it? No fruit. That's the result, right? So it kind of goes both ways. Right. There's a warning that you would be cut off, right? That's the threat. That's the, that's the warning if there is one. You'd be cut off. Uh, there is no fruit coming, therefore you will be cut off. Consequences, you're withered, and then done away with, right? For what reason would the branch be cut from the vine? Some of you answered that question just now. What reason would you be cut from the vine? Right. You're not bearing any fruit. Right? Lack of fruit is the reason that the vine is, is pruned. So bearing fruit is not just a goal. Bearing fruit is a requirement. Bearing fruit is essential. It's the basis on, of, uh, on which judgment is made. Is there fruit or no fruit? That's, that is so critical. No wonder we focus on, do, on doing. No wonder we focus on like being productive, right? No wonder we focus on, man, I got to make something happen. I got to like cause some goodness to happen somewhere. I got to produce some fruit. And yet, what is the one thing, there's only one, what is the one thing that the disciples are told to do? Yep, stay, remain, 
abide. (laughs) Remain in Christ. Or the metaphor says, stay connected to the vine. Staying results in being fruitful. Right? The normal thing for a branch to do when it is connected to the vine is to produce fruit and much fruit. That's just what happens. That is the normal result of connection. The only work the branch has to do, the only work, to skip the symbolism, the only work we have to do is to remain connected to the vine or remain connected to Jesus. You could almost summarize Jesus' message to his disciples by saying, listen, you work on stability, I'll take care of production. You work on staying connected to me, and I'll work on production. And yet, we are in a culture that repudiates abiding, remaining, any kind of long-term stability. One of the things that makes stability or this idea of remaining so unattractive to so many people is we don't understand the posture of, of uh, stability. Stability sounds like stagnation. It sounds like doing nothing. But stability is not passive. Stability is active. The posture of stability is not just sitting back and saying, oh, whatever. It is standing strong against adversity with intentionality and purpose. That's stability. Stability is not doing nothing. Stability is actively holding on. It is working to remain connected. It is staying grounded. It is being fruitful. It is not running away when when life gets hard. Don't just stand there. Do something. That's the ethic that most of us were raised with. And so to many of us, valuing stability sounds like the opposite of doing something. But it's not. Stability is not stagnation. We need to understand the posture of stability as standing strong. Intentionally focused, I'm standing strong. If I'm riding down a river in a raft, I'm going with the flow. If I'm standing waist high against the current, that's what stability looks like. I'm standing strong with a purpose, I'm not just floating along, I'm not doing nothing, I'm working really hard, probably beneath the surface to remain grounded, to make a difference, right, to survive or to help somebody else do the same thing. And a second reason that the value of stability fails to compel us is because we don't understand its purpose. We don't understand its posture, and we don't understand its purpose. Stability is not an end unto itself. Stability is not the end goal. Stability has long been valued in the Christian tradition because of the growth that it enables. Stability, especially from a historic Christian perspective, says stay. Stability says stay. And then asks, for what purpose? Okay? The, the Christian value of stability says, stay, and then asks, to what purpose? Being here with no intentional purpose, that is stagnation. Okay? Being here with no intentional purpose, it might even be worse. It's like stupidity. Why are you here? I don't know. Oh, well, pff, 
That's ridiculous, right? You, you need to have, and stability for stability's sake misses the point. You need to answer the why question. We need to have a clearly articulated purpose in our staying. Our culture repudiates stability, but I think it's because we don't understand the posture of stability, that it is active, not passive. And I think it's because we don't understand the purpose of stability, that stability allows for real growth. Stability is what allows for true connection. Stability is what fosters the fruit. Stability is not just staying, it is pressing in and pressing on for a purpose. All right, so next week we're going to give our final, I'll give the final sermon on this series. Um, And I want to talk about good reasons to stay and good reasons to go. Because I think it's one of the most practical applications of this whole idea of stability. But I hope, friends, that in the last few weeks, you've seen that um, stability impacts much more than just location. There are several very significant ways you can embrace the value of stability and you can grow into this value of stability, which reach way beyond the simple question of, of location or place. Quickly mention a few. For some of you, embracing stability might mean embracing uh, or committing to a plan. Committing to a plan. Rather than constantly changing lanes in your business strategy, you stick with one. You see it through. Rather than constantly moving with the latest fashion, the newest workout, the most recent parenting trend, you establish a philosophically grounded plan and you stick with it. Right? So for some of you, embracing stability might mean you make a commitment to a plan. Others of you, embracing stability might mean committing to a place, like we said last week. Rather than constantly moving, you say, you know what, we're going to ground ourselves here for five years. We're not going to reevaluate. We're going to give ourselves a season. We're going to let the work, let the place do the work. I'm going to stay in this job. I'm going to stay in this church. I'm going to stay in this home. I'm not going to constantly be reevaluating where I am. I'm going to let the place do its work. Some of you, it is about place. For many of you, this series on stability has prompted you to consider a commitment to a person. It's most of the feedback I've gotten. A commitment to a person. A specific person. Or a whole community of persons. We call that a community or a church. So rather than the daily evaluation of the other, you are focusing instead on serving that other person. You're not evaluating them every day. Should I stay or should I go? Because you're embracing stability, and that means you're serving that other person. You're being there for the other person. You are a source of reliability and security and stability for the other person. It's a complete shift in focus as you commit to a person out of a, out of a, um, as a, as a response to the value of stability. And then finally, perhaps for you, the call to stability really just boils down to a commitment to perseverance. Maybe it's just a commitment to perseverance. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I will continue to put roots down. I will continue to grow because I'm going to finish strong. You have to have that kind of intentionality if you're going to finish strong. There is no automatically finishing strong. There is only intentionally finishing strong. There is automatically fading out is what is automatic. No, but finishing strong, that takes purpose. And so you may take the value of stability and apply it to this commitment to perseverance. However this looks for you in this season of your life, I hope that you've become increasingly convinced that our culture's constant movement and alarming willingness to skip to the next or the newest is a way of living that has no roots and therefore it will have no fruit. 
It has no roots, and therefore it will have no fruit. And I hope that you're seeing the emptiness of the cultural norm of constant change and the comparative value and worth and wisdom of stability. I hope you're seeing that. I hope this teaching this morning has helped you imagine how stability could affect real change in the real issues that you're concerned with, that are facing your life. I hope that as we consider the complexities of broader issues, which we're about to jump into in November, that we'll begin, before we point fingers and talk about what needs to be done out there and what somebody needs to, I hope we'll begin by embracing stability personally. Because we will know that change begins here. Essentially, that stable people create strong communities. And we can break that down. Stable parents build strong homes. Stable coaches build strong programs. Stable business owners create strong companies. Stable individuals build strong relationships, strong friendships. In order to be able to engage, friends, in this complex cultural Move or moment. We need to be a church of activists. We got to get engaged. We, we, we cannot sit on the sidelines. We have to engage the brokenness. We have to work for healing. We have to try to bridge division. We're living in this time, this really challenging time when a lot of people are really aware of the problems and can point them out, but not a lot of people, not a lot of people are offering compelling solutions, are they? Everybody's telling you what's wrong. Not a lot of people are offering a solution. So we as the church, we need to stay connected to the vine. We need to stay connected to the vine. We need our course of action to be rooted in deep wisdom uh, so that we will know what to do and so that we will have the power to do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I want to ask... Lord, that um, in your goodness, you would enable us to pour more of our effort into simply being connected with you. I thank you for the desire in this community, um, both on a big scale and a smaller scale, like in the home, to change, to grow, to make a difference. I thank you for that. I, I pray we would never let go of that. And I actually pray that that would increase that we would be more engaged, that we would address more problems with greater complexities. But I do ask God that rather than getting way out in front of ourselves, give us the grace to remain connected to you and to know that as we are connected to you, that you give us the, the wisdom and the power that we need to make a real difference in this world. May the church be the church in this time, in this place, a church that, um, that offers a compelling alternative to the craziness and the brokenness that we see all around us. Uh, may it begin here, and may it make a lasting difference for restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.